0: Jack O'Connor said, Don't ever read a paper. You're kind of thinking, Why did he say that? Or what did he mean by that? Or does he rate him higher than me? It opens up something that you do not want opened. The only thing industry
1: players should be looking at or listening to is the football. Wherever you
2: get your podcasts,
1: rugby on Off the Ball.
2: With Vodafone, main sponsor of the
3: Irish rugby team, we all belong to the team of us.
4: You're very welcome along, I'm Ashton O'Reilly and today I got the chance to head along to the grand opening of Limerick's international rugby experience. A variety of World Cup winners, British and Lions legends and Irish rugby stars were in attendance and from tomorrow the general public can visit. First I caught up with Johnny Sexton who gave me an update on his injury and when he hopes to be back fit.
5: Did you get involved there with a few of the activations?
3: Yeah, passing. No kicking today. Not risking the groin for a bit of entertainment.
5: Of course, of course. So how are things?
3: Good, thank you. Yeah. Um, progressing every day, really. It's all you can ask for at this stage. So, uh, obviously, physically going well. Mentally, it's a bit of a struggle having to to sit and watch Leinster play these big games. It's it's very tough. But uh, trying to support the lads where I can.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it is a tough time at the minute, but you're focusing on your recovery and getting back. Do you have a timeline
3: when you think you might get back? Um, like uh, my goal is to be back fully added in preseason from day one. Uh, so that's the goal I've set for myself, and with the physios and kind of told them that's what we need to be doing. Um, you know, there was I spoke to Josh uh, who had a similar injury uh, a few years ago, and he got back in like nine weeks. And so I was like, oh, maybe you know, if we got to the URC final, it could maybe. But. Uh, I think my age might go against me a little bit on that one. So uh, the surgeon said no. Uh, I'm so aim for whatever 19th of June we're back to preseason. So my goal is to be back fully fit and flying it then.
5: Were you hoping to get back for the Champions Cup final?
3: Well, obviously when I hurt myself, that's why uh, when I heard it against England and I was coming off the pitch, I was really concerned about you know finishing with Leinster. You know playing for Leinster has meant a lot to me over the years, and I was you know just asking the doc you know, when I get back? Will I get back for the end of the season? And uh, he knew at the time, no. Uh, so he was kind of like, we'll talk about it tomorrow. And uh, so, look, it's been, uh, look, very disappointing. But hopefully the lads can uh, go on and achieve something special, which will be winning, you know, the Champions Cup. I think that's the first final. And then uh, hopefully we can get to the URC as well.
5: Yeah, I remember you coming off the pitch that day. Um, I remember you coming off the pitch that day and that you were talking to the doctor the whole way off the pitch. Were you able to enjoy the, the Grand no, Slam? No, that's
3: why, uh, well, sorry, I enjoyed the Grand Slam, I enjoyed the celebrations, but that moment, I suppose, the reception, it was only after uh, a few days and I sat down to watch the game that I realised uh, the reception is mad you're in your own world and uh, I really heard anything and I was just too busy talking to Doc so that's probably the regret from the day is not acknowledging the, the crowd uh, reaction to that so um, but hopefully I'll get to play in the Aviva again in, uh, in August hopefully. Yeah
5: absolutely, you're looking yeah. forward to the World Cup now?
3: Yeah it's a long time away yet so there's lots of work to be done before that but um, yeah it'll be an exciting time and uh, hopefully we can get the lads through the rest of the season unscathed and uh, ready to go for the summer. Thanks.
4: I also caught up with former Ireland captain Rory Best on his memories of playing for Ireland and the hopes of this current Ireland team in the World Cup.
5: Rory, it's nice to speak to you here in Limerick at the Rugby Experience. How have you found it?
6: It's incredible so far, Sort of, this is our second floor and uh, you know, to go through the tunnel and then to see the little bits and pieces of, of history downstairs and then to come up and have a go at the interactive games, it's just it's absolutely incredible and it's what the sport needs, this ability for people to come in and experience rugby and see rugby through a different lens to get that, the excitement and, and everything that is brilliant about it.
5: You're here having a go with the kicking game and that, how did you get on?
6: Uh, Not too bad, I think it's very sensitive and very difficult. I think I should have registered more scores than it gave me.
5: (laughs) And how did you find, I suppose, mixing with the likes of Johnny Sexton It's here today, there's of McCoy, there's people from all different sports as well, but people that have been at the top of the game in rugby. How was it last night to mix with all of them?
6: Yeah, I think that that's the brilliant thing about, well, sport, but obviously in, in this example rugby is that even guys like there are legends there that I grew up watching never played against, but because they played top level, they then watched you playing top level. You know, you have that sort of the shared experiences that, that you went through it granted at different times of their lives and and everyone knows each other and uh, you walk into the room and you're sort of thinking but there's Francois Piena Martin Johnson Sean Fitzpatrick but and they know who you are so as sort of someone that's recently retired it's a really really nice thing that and then to have a conversation about anything and everything so just to be able to be in, in the company of some of these legends and I think we'd probably take it for granted how good the Irish players we have, you know, catching up with Polly hadn't seen Polly in a while, I'm speaking to him a few times, but, you know, all of the, and Johnny, obviously, from retiring, um, you don't get to see him, you saw him all the time previously, so, look, it's brilliant, and that's what sport does, that's what sport gives you.
5: And when you look back at your journey, obviously, 124 caps for Ireland, Captain Ireland, Grand Slam winner, it's quite the journey.
6: It was, and I think that everyone tells you when you start on that journey that it'll go by. In a flash and you don't believe them because you're just you're trying to work and trying to be better and want to get to the to the pinnacle of your career and then when you retire and you hang up the boots you realize it did go in a flash and i look i was really privileged to have played in loads of great teams and loads of great people and loads of great stadium and uh i loved it absolutely loved every bit of it so you just you're thank your lucky stars for what rugby gives you and now you, you retire and you move on and you try to give a little back where you can
5: and looking at the Ireland team now at the minute, obviously only off the back of the Grand Slam World Cup this year. So it's very exciting. How do you think they'll go?
6: Yeah, look, they're number one team in the world and, and they've been there for a bit and they deserve to be there. And if you look at you know, Grand Slam, uh, um series are winning the all the games in the autumn, then a series win in New Zealand last summer, you know, they've done everything and they've They've done it in so many different ways. You know, against Scotland, there were so many things going wrong and they still had the word with all about them to win. All the pressure of the Grand Slam beside her and Dublin being the first uh, Irish men's team to win a Grand Slam in Dublin, you know, and they cope with all of that. They've shown depth, they've shown that they can play different types of different styles of rugby. So look everything has lending itself to being really, really encouraging and really exciting for the World Cup. And they'll go about their their business. They have a really good coaching staff that'll that'll make sure that they're ready to go in September.
5: And Johnny Sexton is here today. I was just speaking to him. He's hoping to be back around June time. He said if all goes well, how important is he to that Irish setup?
6: He's absolutely vital. I think you look at the way Ireland attack and from knowing Johnny, it's got a lot of him and the way he thinks rugby should be played written all over it. so as a player, he's still one of the best players in the world. But his influence on the team, in terms of the coaching and almost having that coach on the field, is absolutely enormous. He's the captain as well, so look, having him there is going to be is going to be huge for Ireland. And you know, having him now with a little bit re- almost like a bit of a sabbatical he's having now to get himself ready for World Cup, I think, can only be good news for Ireland.
5: And will you get over to the World Cup?
6: Yep, yeah. Uh, sort of doing uh, doing a little bit of TV stuff with yeah. with ITV, so it'll be no, really looking forward to it and. Um, it's a good to be doing covering games with myself and Brown and Driscoll cover the Ireland games together so to, it's always good from a front row point of view to be seeing the like of uh, the lack of Driscoll and how he sees the game slightly differently
4: next I spoke to 2003 World Cup winner with England Matt Dawson
5: Matt it's nice to meet you here at the Rugby Experience in Limerick how are you finding it
1: yeah what an amazing building um, yeah to, to just to, to be a part of uh, what will probably be something that maybe my kids will come and visit when you know they're a little bit older and they're coming on rugby tours with their schools or with clubs or you know in the future I can absolutely imagine my kids uh, you know coming here and having this experience of rugby very unique never been to any anything like it before um, so yeah the people of Limerick should be and will be incredibly proud of what uh, what the whole the whole team have set up here.
5: And who gave you the call to to get involved here? I know Paul O'Connell was talking about making all these calls. Was he the one to ring you? Uh,
1: Well, uh, Paul and I think Keith Wood has been fairly deeply immersed (laughs) in this project as well. Um, Yeah, I was uh, very fortunate to be over for the pro-am, the the JP Manus pro-am and uh, need to say, I was enjoying a couple of drinks with Woody. And when he was talking about this place, I was sort of trying to work out exactly, you know, have I seen someone like that before? What exactly is it? And then he started sending me a little bit more information about it. And, you know, you you realise that this is, you know, it's core to our sport around the world. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, the old enemy of England or you're South Africa and Australia. It it generally doesn't matter. This is, you know, the, the core of our game of, and that's men's game, women's game, children's game. Um... And the way that they've set it all up as well. I think they've really taken time to you know, sort of extract parts of the game that's going to appeal to everybody young and old from any walk of life. They've done a great job. So yeah, when, when Woody gave me the call and said, you fancy coming over, it didn't take much persuasion. And of course, I'm going to have a beer with him tonight as well. So there's always <laughs> so a bonus.
5: Absolutely. And for you then personally in your journey, obviously an amazing career with England. How did you look back on that now? Did you enjoy the journey? A lot of people talk about at the end, you look back and you're like, I wish I enjoyed it more for you. Did you, were you present in the moment, do you think?
1: Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's interesting because it, I, I I maybe do, I do question sometimes whether a professional sport, not just rugby, but a professional sport now, how much do they enjoy it? Because of the intensity of the sport, I I, I can guarantee that you know any rugby player of playing of my era a little bit of amateur then mostly professional we had a good time (laughs) and uh you know on the field off the field training park you know my reflection of the sport has made me the person that i am Uh, uh, and you know hopefully that's you know people think that that's a good person and i can reflect on that My, my kids think that you know that i'm a good person and that is really down to the sport down to my family and the, and the sport that i played for 15 years so um yeah i, 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 I can only imagine the this type of rugby experience is going to is going to ignite something in someone for future generations and yeah maybe maybe it's one of my boys too
5: i'll bring you back to 2003 was when he's won the grand slam and he went on to, to win the world cup that same year ireland are coming off the back of a grand slam yeah. they're going into the world cup they're favourites to do well, we hope, fingers crossed. How did you, I suppose, balance that pressure coming off the Grand Slam to go into that? Or did you see it as pressure or did you see at that point, you know, a good challenge?
1: Um, a bit of both, actually. It was There was pressure. Um, we went into that Grand Slam game and we actually heaped more pressure on ourselves. Um, we were away from home. Uh, you know, we, we'd lost plenty of... Big Grand Slam games. Before that, uh, we'd questioned whether if we didn't win that Grand Slam game, we probably weren't good enough to win the World Cup. You know, we were piling it on ourselves, not just the players but the coaches as well, um, because we wanted to. We really wanted to know where we sat. Um, and I, you know, maybe in a different way, you know, the Ireland team have done that. They, they look like it to me. You know, I'm, I'm an outsider, like everybody else. Um, but I, I, I see this Irish side as you know, being somewhat different to other great island teams that have gone over maybe the last 10 years and have been to world number one, etc. But this this side looked very comfortable holding the favourites tag. They seem to embrace it. It seems to spur them on. You know, the beating England in that uh, Grand Slam game for them, they didn't play well. By their own admission, they know they didn't play well and yet they're still winning big games. That's a massive... That's a massive sign, a big signal to your team that you can you can not be your best and still perform and put teams away. Um, so, yeah, I, I can only see Ireland getting better. I, you know, playing France at home is going to be uh, tasty. Uh, so when that fixture comes along, I think that's going to be, uh, that's probably going to be the biggest the biggest game of the World Cup if it happens in whatever stage. Um, but uh, Ireland quite rightly will be favourites. But now, as I've been trying to say to my Irish friends here, embrace it, embrace it. You know, too, for too long, um, I think uh, uh, when great Irish sides that they had, they, maybe the fans have been a, a little bit scared of saying we're good. You know, we're great. We're the number one team in the world. But I'd say embrace it because the team are embracing it. It, it, you know there's no arrogance there it's you're the best team in the world you're playing the best rugby in the world embrace it and enjoy the ride that you know hopefully Ireland will give them
5: and for England obviously they had new management in where do you think they're at at the minute?
1: Yeah uh, England are, they're in a they're in a, a very different spot um, you know, certainly by results uh, and current form you know they're, they're looking unlikely to be winning the World Cup However, they've got a pretty good chance of getting to a semi-final. Now, getting to a semi-final for England would be a fantastic achievement, but I can guarantee you, when you're in that semi-final, you're not thinking about, oh, well, this will do. You want that final spot, and you're going to overperform. You're going to become superhuman. And, you know, a a yellow card here, a red card there. You know, the referee makes a couple of decisions or, you know, pressure... All of a sudden England could you, know, I, I, you know, I'm asking England to have the bounce of the ball and maybe nick it
6: yeah.
1: you know if I'm an Irish fan I'm saying go and do what you do and you're good enough to go and win the World Cup you know there's two very different conversations um, but you know I, I, I know that the England players are going they're going to perform a lot better than they have done whether they've got enough in the locker to, to win it well we'll have to wait and see
5: Really, Matt. Are you enjoying your time here in Limerick? you have another night tonight?
1: Yeah, I've got, a, got a, a couple of nights okay. in Limerick. Um, yeah, we're, gonna, we're down to Adair Manor with the team. So having not seen some of these guys for a few years, uh, we might be a little bit hazy tomorrow. Um, but hey, what's not to like?
4: Also in attendance at the opening of the International Rugby Experience was 20-time champion jockey AP McCoy.
5: Ap, it's it's nice to meet you here in Limerick oh. at the Rugby Experience. How have you found it so far?
7: It's phenomenal. There's things you know that, I mean, I didn't really play much rugby as a kid. I'm a sports fan, so I like all, um, I like all sports. Oh. And, and coming here today, you look at, I mean, there's things here. Kids will have a field day here. I actually wanted to have loads of goals myself. Only what I'm, are
5: you talking about? You did. Seen, I, I yeah.
7: did. I tried to jump, but I couldn't <laughs> get my hands above my head because unfortunately, I've, I've fallen off quite a lot of horses, and my shoulders are not very good, but. Um, There's kicking experience and throwing experience and all that, and actually I'm I'm one of these silly sports people who think, yeah, I could do that. Um, I'm looking at Keith Wood and Paul O'Connell and thinking, yeah, I could run into them and, you know, they'll know that I'm after running into them, obviously in my head, but um, no, it's a phenomenal building and it's a great experience and... um, yeah, they're very lucky to have this here.
5: Yeah. Well, actually, when you say that, Keith Wood actually hasn't done the kicking or the throwing challenge in front of people. That's how competitive he is. Yeah. He doesn't want us to see him do it.
7: <laughs> yeah, and, and, and as you see today, you know we're talking about some of the great rugby players that we've ever seen. You know, Francois Pienaar and Brian Aban and, and obviously lots of our own. Johnny Sexton's, you know, he's going through what I went through most of my life or a lot of my life, injury, mm-hmm. um, which is the toughest part, so... Um, you have to get, you know, to, to get those, the likes of those people to come here and yeah. and see what they have here, and, and 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 they're all obviously so impressed by it. You know, how could you not be impressed? But the architectural work, it's it's a beautiful building, but obviously the purpose and the meaning that it's going to have too is, uh, yeah, is very lucky.
5: Yeah, I was just speaking to Johnny Sexton there just about his injury, and he mentioned, you know, it's mentally tough. That yeah, that's yeah. the thing yeah. at the minute for him. For you, you went it through it many times. Will you get yeah. a chance to maybe have a conversation with him?
7: Yeah, I actually spoke to him last night. You know, injury, you know, look, uh, physically, obviously, it is very tough, but the mental part of injury, you know, that those few seconds when you do get injured, those few minutes, you know, the pain only lasts for a little while in terms of, hopefully, it's, if it's not life changing, it obviously, being a jockey or being a rugby player they can be but that sort of an injury you know the pain of it lasts for a short period of time and the the more pain is the recovery and though the the trying to get yourself better without doing too much because as as a Johnny Sexton you're always going to want to push yourself you know you're never going to be happy but there's a fine line by from from driving yourself too much and, and obviously you have a goal of trying to, of getting to play in a, a rugby world cup you know that the the, the the mindset—it's um, all about about timing and and patience and and building it up to hope that you're strong enough. So yeah, I mean, it is the most difficult part. Of, I mean, the mo- it is the most difficult part of sport. Injuries, most, difficult, and and the people who are, you know, I oh, I, mean, I think it was Carl Lewis, the athlete said, you know, if you're not close to being injured, you're not training hard enough. And there there is a fine line between, and all the really really good ones, there's there's that there's that little element that will make you go a little bit further than everyone else, and you'll you'll. You spend a lot of your life in pain because you want to do things that other people can't and to do that it's never going to be perfect so um, but yeah it's very very hard to even think about trying to replace a Johnny sexton isn't it it's it's, yeah. it's near on impossible mm-hmm. so I think like everyone it's um very important that he you know hopefully I'll get back to full fitness
5: yeah absolutely we're all fingers crossed now for the World Cup and that's what he's looking to as well for you then are you still out riding out in the morning? Oh, yeah. Are you still involved?
7: Yeah, I, I still like riding. You know, I obviously I don't get to to, to do it to but like I used to. But I like I obviously love horses. I love riding horses. I love being with them. Um, I often think I get on better than I do with people sometimes. So it's you know it's the one thing that you know, uh, you know as a as a professional rugby player you you can't really get to 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 play rugby at a really high or at a at a level. At least you can go for riding your horse and enjoy it. And yeah, it's not the same as competing or winning on a big stage, but. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm very lucky. I'm busy, and I. I. I'm lucky that I get to help with JPs horses and stuff like that. So I get to keep an eye on them in England and get to go and watch them, and hopefully find some good ones, which we look like we have at the moment. So I'm very jealous. that I'm not still riding someone, to be honest. I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I'd like to say I'm not bitter about not being able to do it, but I am because I, I. watch a lot of them. Think, oh God, I'd love a go. I'd love a go on that one, you know. But that's what I think. That's what people like me do. Yeah. Just silly enough to believe that you actually could still do it when you can't and you're actually too old and too fat and too unfit so um, but men, no I think
5: you still yeah.
7: could. <laughs> but anyway um, but yeah that's the great thing about sport and, and yeah I I, I I, love all sport but obviously racing is my, my passion
5: yeah. and growing up did you play any other sports or your family were they involved I, in any sport
7: I, I did a little bit of Gaelic football um I thought I was great at that. I thought I would have thought I was going to be probably one of you know. I thought Ireland, Antrim would have won lots of all Ireland medals if I'd have been playing football for them. In my mind, um, I had a little go at snooker when we had Alex Higgins and and Dennis Taylor, and I had a go at, I had a go at, like, a little go at boxing, not so much when Barry McGuigan was around. You know those things. You get people that uh, people in sport that you you kind of look up to and. And you have that moment where everyone watches, don't they? Yeah. Um, like when
5: you watch Wimbledon and everyone goes yeah, to tennis.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My 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 brother actually was an all Ireland champion boxer a few times. Um, so so I, I like I like all kind of sports, I like watching. So I, I, I had a go I had a go at them all. I wasn't really good at any of them. Luckily I, I liked horses. I've got four sisters and one brother. None of them have ever been a horse in their life, so I'm the black sheep in the family that left home at fifteen and and um and and yeah, it's just I know I'm not saying I'm a believer in fate, but I do think that there is actually a picture of me sat on a horse at home when I was four. So, and there's no pictures of any of the rest of my family. So, um, I'm a kind of a believer now in my mind that it was just meant to happen. And um, but I, I like sport. I like I like all sports.
5: And where did that come from? Was any of your parents or anything involved with
6: horses?
7: Not really. My dad was a builder. He had a bit of a joiner. He had a bit of land at home. I don't know if someone. He ended up with a horse anyway and it was a thoroughbred and it was in the fall and a man a man who trained horses sort of 15 or 20 miles from my home came to buy one of the foals off my dad and my dad got friendly with him and he used to go and watch the horses exercise on Saturday morning and I used to go with him and I thought I'd like a a go on one of those so from the age of I had a pony or two at a young age, but at the age of 10 or 11, 12, I started riding racehorses, and then I thought the ponies got ditched, and I thought, God, I love the power and the speed and the excitement of of being a, a being on a racehorse. And I, I didn't really know an awful lot about racing. You know, I, I probably didn't start watching it until I was, I remember watching Last Suspect Win the Grand National in 1985. I was 11 years old, and it was kind of from that, then I started watching horses, and, you, know, you know, so, so, you know, yeah. Uh, before that I'd played soccer and Gillick and all those things and I actually was telling someone a story that I actually brought my little lad, my little boy, to watch Arsenal and Oxford in the FA Cup um, six or seven weeks ago. And he, uh, a really good friend of mine, Robbie Fowler, son was at Oxford and he had brought him in and he was able to meet, you know, Zinchenko and Zaka and all these lads. And I, and I had to tell my son, my nine-year-old son, in 1982, I 1983, I queued up outside a sports shop in Macerel to get after the 1982 World Cup to get Pat Jennings to sign a football for me, and I kept it for ages. You know what I mean? And I queued up for hours to get Pat Jennings to sign a football. That's what it meant, you know, because that was the only. And, and how times change. Now times move on. I'm very lucky. I actually know Pat Jennings. I played golf with Pat Jennings, and do you think how your life, how how, how, how your life can change? So. Um, but so it's important and I actually going totally off the subject I I, I just there was a few football teams and different people have got uh, different lads have got but not interacting with fans and I I this thing like like every and they should and, it's a, and they should have a little because every hero is a hero do you know what I mean everyone at some point in their life will look up to a Sean Fitzpatrick or you know a, a Brian Havan or something like that they will have all looked up to different some people at some stage in their life and you think that that little boy could have been me you know so i think i think in sport it's an important thing to remember that no matter how big you are and everyone is everyone has a time don't they yeah everyone becomes a has-been like like no disrespect but like most of the lads that are here (laughs) (laughs)
5: <clears throat> <Don't open>
4: <laughs> they won't like me saying
7: it, but like I, that's why I am. I, I, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm a husband. You know what I mean? So, but there will be a t- there will be a time come when there will be kids that look up to, you know, jockeys or rugby players or soccer players and be thinking, you need to put yourself in that position of being a ten or eleven year old boy, mm-hmm. and or a seven or eight or nine year old boy looking up to one of these people and then he not giving you the, yeah. you know, so. And you're
5: yeah, yeah, yeah,
7: yeah, and that—that's the thing. Anyway, look, it's—it's it's the great thing about sport is that, you know, if you're lucky enough to have lived your life through it, you're very lucky. Anyway, that was just a little rant I had about some. But no, it's
5: brilliant, and I appreciate you sharing it with me. When you look back on your journey now, it's been quite the journey. Were you able to enjoy it the whole way through, or do you look back now?
7: I—I uh, I enjoyed the torture. I liked—I liked being miserable. I liked not being content. I liked never been satisfied i i know I, I i enjoyed i enjoyed the mental side of of making myself unhappy of never never getting to never getting to where i wanted to go i never got i never achieve what i wanted to achieve i never the goal just kept moving every time i got every time i had a target it it went away it was like it was like oh i've done that you know and and it's but it's obviously what makes you happy, isn't it? It's what makes you happy in sport, and it's and it's, you know, I think in in sport you want to be different. You know, you want to try and do things that everyone's got opinions about who's good at this and good at that. And you know, but statistics don't lie about anything. You know what I mean? When it's when it's in writing and it's all up there, then no one can say, you know, whether someone was good or not good or, you know. Yeah. So that's what I always thought. I didn't really care about what anyone else thought about me I wanted to have it in black and white to say that yeah you did that yeah. so so no one can they can say that everyone else was better than you like I don't care as long as it's I'm happy in my ball. mind <laughs> yeah yeah anyway Brilliant. sorry to boy on no so no one wants to listen to my boring stuff I, I, anymore I'm
4: very so, much enjoying
5: yes. it. I always wanted to meet you so thank yeah. you so
4: much I also spoke to former Springboks and world player of the year Brian Abana.
5: Brian Abana, it's lovely to, to meet you is it nice to be here in Limerick at the rugby experience
2: Actually lovely to meet you too, absolutely Bryn. For those of us that have loved the game rugby, have been involved in the game rugby, Limerick, Thomond Park, Cork, uh, an institution in, in our game. And for, for those of us that have never been into the city, uh, to see this building, uh, you almost do get blown away just seeing it, its exquisite nature outside and then you know, getting into that change room tunnel ahead of coming into the national rugby experience. It is pretty special, uh, reliving some of the ethos that knit this game together um, in so many incredible values. The camaraderie, the passion, the spirit, the integrity, the respect. knowing what the JP McManus Foundation has done in creating a bit of restoration within the city, but giving the game back something that will hopefully give more to the city than just what rugby is all about. So extremely privileged and honored to be here and um, hoping to maybe break some records. I'm not quite sure Johnny's kicking is that good anymore. (laughs) My running is definitely so, so hopefully I can give Johnny a good crack. (laughs)
5: Speaking of your running, you brought it up. Are you still as fast as ever? You're obviously famous for your speed.
2: Yeah, yeah I'm, um, I've got a massive race uh, coming up later this year against the Tortoise. Um, so in retirement, um, I definitely have slowed down quite a bit, not <laughs> racing any cheetahs or Boeing uh, A380s. But um, no, the speed has, has unfortunately depreciated. Uh, my nine-year-olds are unfortunately beating me in the back garden at the moment. So I'm not going to be doing anything of high velocity anytime soon.
5: You said that with such a stray face <laughs> that I thought, oh, wow, you are actually competing in something. No,
2: <laughs> no, not anytime soon. Mm.
5: <laughs> and when you think of Ireland, you think of rugby, you've mentioned Tom Park. What comes to mind?
2: Mm. So I think, again, in a competitive nature where you have Gaelic football, you have hurling, you know, rugby You know, has definitely been an outlier in terms of bringing attraction to a sporting environment in rugby. But you look at the names, you know, Keith Wood, Aron Nagara, Brian O'Driscoll, um, you know, Johnny Sexton, names that have become entrenched in rugby history, folk, folklore globally, not just in Ireland. And I think the passion with which the game gets plagiar, the institution that it is, you know, you get to go to the Aviva, um, or croke park that i got for the fortune to be at you know back in 2009 right. or you go to you know cork and experience the real passion for the game Yeah, you hear that you know monsters sell the most jerseys amongst the supporters and you only fully understand that encompassing nature when you come here and experiencing it and i think the ability to connect with the irish rugby players you know, there's quite a few on my speed dial list that is an enjoyable interaction and um, some of the most humble you know human beings that, that i've ever met and not institutionalised in their passion for the game and um, their ethos of respect and humility, I think is um, you know, bar none you know, globally, which is which is pretty special. So lovely to be here. Um, not quite the springtime that I've been hoping for. The sun hasn't come out just yet, but um, it's not too bad. Right? It's what not too happen? bad. I mean, from from Cape Town, it's, it's a little bit different. But you know, looking ahead to the Heining Cup final in two weeks' time at the Aviva, you know, one would think Leinster, you know, with the full support of the Irish in totality behind them, can maybe go on and, and win a fifth star, which will aid to the whole international rugby experience.
5: And what about La Rochelle mm. and Ronan O'Gara? It's quite a job he's doing there.
2: He is doing a phenomenal job. I think Rog Rog was probably one of the yeah you know, the most difficult players to play against because you know he was not only flamboyant, he became a little bit arrogant, you know on the park, but because he really lived and breathed the sport and I think he's taken that same passion to an institutionalized environment in, you know, in La Rochelle to know what they did last year in in that Champions Cup final down down in Marseille, where they probably weren't given a chance, you know, a real underdog tag, and to then see their progression, you know, one thought it was maybe a a one-year wonder, but to do this, twice in a row um, against Leinster, shows that he's really busy with something incredibly special, a great group of players. And, you know, he's living the passion and the flair of the French, both on the sideline and, and in the coach's box and has been doing some phenomenal things. And, you know, may that final in a couple of weeks time be everything it's expected to be.
5: Who do you think will win?
2: So with my head, uh, I mean, I can't see Leinster at the Aviva, you know, not adding to to that star, the four stars already on their chest. I think the man in which Irish rugby is, you know, fundamentally, you know, the power stronghold in the world at the moment of rugby means that Leinster probably go in, you know, as the the favourites. La Rochelle went into last year's final as a real underdog and, you know, how they came back in that second half almost stunned everyone to then go on and win it. And I think the celebrations, rightfully so, were, were pretty epic down in, in the south of France. But, you know, with your head, you really think that it's all lenses to lose. Um, and given how they dismantled Toulouse in that semifinal, um, it's going to be a, be a difficult one for Raj and his team to, to overcome. But again, the French flair is something that you should never, ever underestimate.
5: Mm-hmm. It's also a World Cup year. So France this year, yeah. October time, and um, how do you see it going? It's very, very competitive. Obviously, Ireland are coming off the back of a, a Grand Slam, but you've been there as a player three yeah. times. You've been to a World Cup. Tell me a little bit about it. You also won in 2007 as well.
2: Yeah. So I think this Heineken Champions Cup final is a potential precursor to what we might see come, I think it's the 28th or 29th of October, you know, when that Rugby World Cup final happens. and the rugby prowess has definitely moved up north you have ireland uh, after incredible grand slam uh, earlier this year france winning 12 out of 12 last year beating the top teams in the world in in one calendar year which was incredibly impressive so you feel that this french team you know have everything behind them to go on and do something no french side has ever done before win it you feel this irish side has something um, that no irish side has ever done before and has progressed past a quarter final stage so it does set up a World Cup that in my opinion, is probably going to be the toughest to win in any World Cup you know we've ever seen. You probably have you know realistically f- six teams on their day that you know can go through a seven week period and win a Rugby World Cup, which is, I think a great place as a rugby purist to be in because every moment is just going to be you know literally edge of your seat type stuff. You've got an opening game, France, New Zealand, that is going to be phenomenal. And then you have a quarterfinal lineup where three of the top five teams in the world don't progress to a semi-final. So with my heart, I really can hope that the South African team going in as defending champions, very much under the radar and potentially as underdogs can, much like 2019, do something spectacular, you know, become the first team to win back-to-back Rugby World Cups for a you know, South African team. But, you know, they're going to come up against some pretty stiff opposition, both in their pool against Ireland and Scotland, and then against New Zealand or France in a, in a quarter final, which is going to make it tough. So I'm extremely excited. I really do think it's almost too difficult to call a winner because Mm -hmm. on their day, literally the top 16 in the world at the moment, you know, can do something special.
5: Yeah, the Springboks in Ireland, they meet the 23rd of September in Paris, their third game for Ireland. It's going to be a tough game (laughs) to to meet, especially in your third game. Hopefully there's not too many injuries and all of that that come with a World Cup, but it will be a tough game.
2: Mm. It definitely will be a tough game. And I think both teams at the moment, you know, one or two I want to say injury worries, not injury scares. You know, you have Johnny Sexton, who's you know, just undergone surgery. You know, he's unfortunately had to call time at Leinster, so might not be involved on the pitch, you know, come you know, that final to get that fifth star on on his jersey, but he will be, you know, valuable at some point. Uh, you have Sia who who's also just undergone surgery from a South African perspective. Yeah, Vanessa Bet, so one or two injury clouds hanging over both teams. Uh, but given, I think, the consistency of both South Africa and and Ireland, you know, that game of the 23rd of, of September is going to be a massive one Uh, for both teams. Again, we don't know what's going to happen in the New Zealand France game because, you know, that game almost then determines, you know, who finishes first and who finishes second. That being said, I wouldn't write off Scotland, you know. Um, You know, we won with a bounce of a ball against Tonga in 2007. So, yes, that's a big game. But I know, you know, from a South African perspective, they'll only be focusing, again, on a rugby championship, you know, coming up in July and then that first game a Rugby World Cup because you'd almost be aggrieved to look past that first game because if you slip on that banana peel, um, it makes the route to a final much more difficult. So yes, it's a big game on the 23rd, but I know the Springboks won't be focusing on that. They'll be focusing on on a lot more before that, before it happens, actually.
5: Yeah. And looking back on your own career, I'll bring you back again to (laughs) 2007. That was quite the year, obviously winning Mm -hmm. the World Cup and World Player of the Year as well to, to cap it all off. It must be nice looking back now and all those memories.
2: I had a mate who said to me that when when all is said and done, memories are all we have, and I think I'm incredibly grateful and privileged to have had some phenomenal memories, you know, both the good and the bad, that have formed me, yes, as a rugby player, but more importantly as as a person. And when it's all said and done, you can only relive those moments. And I think to have enjoyed so much success as an individual, but also within a team context, you know, I'm so grateful for, as an individual in a team sport none of it's on your own. Um, And whether it be, you know, my schoolboy coaches, whether it be my youth coaches, whether it be the doctors, the physios, um, the management, you know, the family members that supported me through the thick and thin, I wasn't able to do any that I anything that I did without that environment around me. And when all is said and done, and you actually do then reflect and look back and you become so much more appreciative of those that allowed you to become the person and rugby player that you became. And that 07 group, you know, has a bond now that will live forever because of what we managed to achieve. But, you know, it wasn't always smooth sailing. You know, ahead of that year, we lost in you know, 49-0 against Australia in Brisbane. You know, John Smith was being touted as a very old captain that no longer you know deserved to be in that number two jersey, let alone make the squad. Jake White you know, wanted to be fired as a coach. Um, Post Durant was told that he's way past his sell date. Uh, sell by date. Twelve years on from winning '95, so 2007 was special. You know, it formed my love affair with France, which saw me, you know, end up playing, you know, five years in the south of France mm-hmm. for Toulon. And yeah, in memories that you know, I'll take with me to my grave and, and forevermore, because they are just so special. You know, grateful that I contributed to a team success because. Again, my individual contribution was no less, you know, important or no more important than each and every other individual's on that four-year journey, you know, to the 20th of October 2007. So special. Looking forward to getting back to France and eating many more crepes, um, maybe a few less than what I did in 2007, because my metabolism has definitely slowed. <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, when we think about your game, I mentioned the speed, played on the wing, you know always getting in for a try after try. <laughs> that was your game and that was your style. Who in the game at the minute mm. do you see has similar attributes that you yeah. had?
2: Yeah, from a South African perspective, you know, we've obviously got Makazoli Mpimpi and Cheslin Colby, who are the incumbents in their 11 and 14 jersey. Both who became the first Springboks to score a try in a Rugby World Cup final, which maybe doesn't say too much about my career. Um, both have gone on to excel both for club and country. Um, and you have some youngsters, and you know Kurtley Aronser who I think scored like seven tries and eight tests last year. You know Kane and Moody's, you know pushing you know hard for for a starting place. So from a South African perspective, you know really excited about the group of talent that we have that can really you know go out there and do some phenomenal things. You know Cheslin can beat somebody in a phone booth, and um, literally. With his stepping ability, he's kicked a 50-meter drop goal in a top-14 final. Michael Zolli's, you know, been scoring at a rate of knots as well. So, you know, pretty pretty excited about what the Springboks have to offer globally. Um, you know, you look at the likes of Osiveres, uh, Will Jordan from New Zealand, that, that are playing some phenomenal r- rugby. Marika Corbetti from Australia is also phenomenal. Um, and then you have youngsters like uh, Henry Arundel from England, that you know could be targeted as someone that is going to be unbelievable. But that being said, for me, at the moment, and probably one of the best players in the world, is Damien Pinot from France, who, again, had a phenomenal Six Nations. You know, he has been scoring tries and is uncharacteristically quick, fast, nimble and an incredible skill set. And he'll be a key figure in that French onslaught to want to win a Rugby World Cup you know, in their home country later this year. And alongside Anton Dupont, do you think those are the two players that are going to be putting their hand up to make an absolute impact come Rugby World Cup 2023?
5: And the fact that Ireland are coming off the back of a Grand Slam, going into this World mm. Cup, do you think that's an added pressure to keep winning?
2: Well, looking purely just at McHanson's celebrations post that Grand uh, Grand Slam victory, I, I don't think this Irish side is in any way going to be too complacent. Mm. I think led impeccably well by you know Andy Farrell at the moment. Um, you feel there is something really special, you know, some phenomenal old heads. You know, you look at a Peter Omani, you know, Johnny Sexton, you know, a few guys that are, are really just, you know, keeping the strings together. A Jameson Gibson Park, you know, who is, you know, won a Man of the Match award in a Hunting Cup semi semifinal a couple, of, you know, a couple of days ago. So. I think this Rugby World Cup, you know, particularly for Ireland is gonna be one of them relying on not only what they've achieved over the last year or two, but really looking forward to how they can do something that no Irish side has ever done. And, you know, with that blend of incredible experience, but also the exuberance of youth, you know, someone like James Lowe, you know, who's you know really been a force for good for this Irish side. But then you look at someone like Mack Hansen, you know, Hugo Keenan has had an absolutely phenomenal twelve months and you look at where this team's going and you believe that you know Ireland you know have all their cards um, and maybe a few aces up their sleeve because they are pretty impressive at the moment so if like their pack does set that foundation up front you believe that their, you know, so their back line you know has the flair and ability skill set and speed to do something absolutely historic come rugby world cup 2023
5: fingers crossed <laughs> well thanks for your time Brian will you stay around Limerick for many more days
2: Um, I have my family here, so enjoying the sights and sound. I'm going to bring my little boys to come experience uh, something that will hopefully give them a great understanding about the incredible ethos that the game of rugby forms and hopefully not form a love affair with Limerick. Um, and I mean, I'd love them to play for South Africa and not Ireland at a stage like CJ Stander has done and, and maybe one or two other South Africans. But I think this place, it's people, uh, it's really special. You know, I had a, the fortune of sitting next to Mr. McManus at, at dinner last night and you know what the foundation has given back you know mm-hmm. as a restoration perspective for limerick you know and the town and getting people you know coming back into the city where Covid has almost taken everyone back out you know going up to the top floor and seeing an 800 year old castle is something we don't get in south africa so hopefully not much time in the golf course much time mm-hmm. experiencing the sights and sounds of, uh, of this beautiful city
5: brilliant Brian. thanks so much for your time
2: thank you very thank you.
4: much i also caught up with paul o'connell who is the international rugby experience chairperson He said he was delighted to finally be able to open the doors to the public.
5: Paul O'Connell, it's nice to be back. I was here in October when the building was somewhat of a shell. was just getting ready to to get the work done and now we're back and wow, what a transformation.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing transformation. Um, The building was always beautiful, I suppose, and uh, trying to get the inside of it right was always a challenge. Um, So we're up and running now. Um, The doors are open and it's very exciting.
5: And how was the day today? Obviously a lot of famous, well-known faces around the place and they're getting involved in the activation the kicking game the throwing game
0: yeah it's great to have so many legends of the game here today to help us launch it Um, and it's been lovely to meet them and they've enjoyed I suppose catching up with one another but they've enjoyed as well knocking around the experience and experiencing it for themselves as well so it's brilliant
5: why do you think this was so important for JP McManus and his family to do you spoke about him having it in his mind for maybe six years or so it was in the works and now it's finally happening
0: yeah I think he wanted to create a tourist destination for Limerick City Centre and um, I suppose the building is is an amazing gift to the city, the building is absolutely incredible Um, and I think in 200 200 years time this will still be a a civic uh, building you know that the the people in Limerick City can use so we've got this this beautiful gift to the city and at the moment there's a, a rugby experience inside of it and uh, all the better for us you know it allows us to promote the game um, it allows us connect rugby to the city of Limerick um, and allows us have days like today where we bring in superstars like this so um, it's fantastic hopefully for the city it, it helps bring people into the city and it gets feet on the streets which is, is what we want um, so it's all good
5: and for you
0: personally, you must be pretty proud to be a part of this. I'm yeah, very proud. Yeah, It's very enjoyable. I mean, look, it's, it's JP's brainchild. It's this, you know, JP's uh, family and JP's charitable fund has, has put the money into it, which has allowed us to to put this beautiful building here. It's, it's as you said, it's a gift for the, the people of Limerick. But yeah, for myself and Muddy to be involved in it, it's absolutely fantastic.
5: And Johnny Sexton is here today. I just spoke to him. He said he's targeting around June time to hopefully get back. He said it's mentally tough at the minute, but uh, he's looking to then. How important is he to to have him in that World Cup team?
0: Yeah, it's very important. I mean, look, he's a brilliant player, but he's a great mind as well. You know, he's a very good leader. He's a lot of experience. You know, all the the scenarios that, that, that challenge teams at the moment that... That, that catch teams out he's seen it all before and he's pretty calm in those situations so to have a player like that with that experience is is, is pretty vital and i can imagine it's hard for him you know i'd say he'd love to be finishing his, his his career with leinster playing playing some good knockout rugby um so to be on the sidelines for him is probably tough you know he's a real competitor so um i suppose the benefit is it means he can come down here today and and and, and help us out which is fantastic
5: did you get to enjoy the
0: Grand Slam celebrations? I did with kids to be back in school which you know when I won stuff in the past the kids, I don't think I had any kids in school so with kids to get back and get them into school but uh, no it was lovely it's different as a coach but uh, it was very nice to spend a bit of time with the players players families spend some time with the, the coaches and their partners as well and uh, and enjoy it but uh, you know we, we've a pre-season to get ready for now which is something we normally don't have to do as a coaching staff normally the clubs or the provinces due to pre-seasons for the players so we're back to work pretty quickly preparing for that and um, um, uh, you know and that's something that's new for me you know I've never done a World Cup pre-season before so there's a good bit of planning goes into that and um, you know we're busy with that but it's enjoyable as well
5: and as a coach looking to the World Cup is it excitement is it nerves anticipation what do you feel like?
0: That's yeah, it's, it's both you're always nervous but yeah we're very excited you know we've great group of players um, you know we've we've you know, pretty good continuity in what we do in terms of the playing group, the coaching group and how we want to play the game and we just need to make sure we evolve and keep getting better now and, uh, um, so yeah it's excitement excitement (laughs) i don't know what i'm letting myself in for you know you're trying to prepare some of the challenges we have you know where you have a game you have a game on 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 saturday and you you don't know who you're going to be playing the following monday because normally you get your prep done in the week before or the weeks before so that's going to be a challenge for the coaching group you know um, um and that's going to be a new challenge for me but yeah i'm very excited looking forward to it
5: Brilliant.
0: And tonight, will you get to enjoy some time with the rest of the guys here? Yeah, we're meeting up with some of them this evening. We're we're having dinner just to thank them for coming and uh, uh, for making the effort, because it is a big effort. A lot of them travel a lot in their work, so to come over here has just been great.
3: Rugby on Off The Ball.
2: With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.